We're in John 11. We look at verse 45 through 57. Jesus has just proven to Martha and to Mary and to his disciples that he is more than a healer. He's more than what they expected out of Messiah. Israel sort of looked to the Messiah as a deliverer, sort of on the same vein as Moses. But Jesus called Lazarus and his decaying body from the tomb. And he gave life to Lazarus, and Lazarus had been dead over four days. And by then, after four days, decay has set in, and he has given life to a dead man. This is beyond Mary and Martha and this crowd of mourners there at the tomb of Lazarus, and they see Lazarus come hopping out of the grave because he's bound up in grave clothes uh, at the command of Jesus. And Jesus tells those standing around, loose him, let him go. And Jesus, by this resurrecting of Lazarus, has forced Mary and Martha to see, to understand that he is resurrection and life. Jesus has allowed Lazarus to die. He's allowed him to be buried by staying away from Bethany when he was sent word by Mary and Martha, uh, the one you love is sick, and he's making absolutely sure in all the minds of all those that are there mourning his disciples, Mary and Martha, that Lazarus is truly dead. But Mary and Martha, they have a question for Jesus when he approaches, and they wonder why Jesus did not come right away. And both of them kind of quiz Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, our brother Lazarus would not have died. And the implication there is, Jesus, why have you stayed away and let Lazarus die? Jesus has told him, though, your brother will rise again. And then he asks, do you believe this? Consider that Jesus has allowed death to have its sting upon this family. They're in mourning. They're weeping. They're travailing. Death has struck this family, and they weep and they mourn. Now, most of us have experienced the death of someone that we were close to, the physical death of someone, but this calling of Lazarus back to life, it gives hope to anyone who has seen a friend or a loved one die. Remember back in verse 9 of this chapter, Jesus declares when he receives news of Lazarus, this sickness is not unto death, 
but it's for the glory of God. Mary and Martha, they must suffer through the agony of their brother dying. They're not spared that sorrow. And being buried, Lazarus will demonstrate, he will be an example of resurrection by Jesus. And he had to come from the grave for this to have the impact that Jesus wanted it to have. Which brings up a question. Has God allowed you to suffer some tragedy that you might learn and receive a great truth? If you've lived for any length of time, you know and understand tragedy strikes each and every one of us. There's no one that escapes tragedy. The rich, the poor, the famous, the ordinary, tragedy comes our way. But with tragedy comes an opportunity to believe. As the same way it came to the mourners there at Lazarus' tomb. They now have an opportunity to believe. Jesus asked Mary and Martha, do you believe? I've heard it said of trials and uh, tragedy that they only give us an opportunity to stand up and do what's right. Everybody has them. It's an opportunity to stand up and do right. So let's read John 11, 45 through 53. Then many of the Jews who came to Mary had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered counsel and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone who will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider what is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say of his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for that nation, but also that he would gather together one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. So they want to kill Jesus. Mary and Martha, they've been surrounded by mourners. Now it's four to five days after the burial of Lazarus, and there's still a great crowd there at Mary and Martha's house. They have friends, they have relatives, they even probably have hired mourners who are there. And Jesus and his disciples are there now. And all of these people have witnessed Jesus calling Lazarus from the tomb. And even the, the ordinary people and the Jewish leaders can't deny that a great sign 
a great miracle has been done by Jesus. And the rising of Lazarus back to life, it almost startles. It shakes Mary and Martha and the believers that are around the tomb to believe. It's like uh, an event that they can't deny. They're in awe. They're in wonder. And this miracle causes the Jewish leaders great concern. They must do something, or as they said in their own words, everyone will begin to believe in Jesus. They feel they must act. So they gather together to discuss how to respond to Jesus and all his miracles. And they have a meeting of what they call the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders who ruled over the Jewish affairs. Many believe, but the leadership, they reject Jesus. They reject Jesus along with those that are what we would call hard-hearted. Caiaphas, the high priest, he will now declare his opposition to Jesus. And along with the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas privately admits Jesus performed many signs. And so we get a look into the Sanhedrin and their dealings through Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. These were two of the Sanhedrin that were believers. And they're giving insight into what went on in that meeting. The Jewish leaders first opposed Jesus because they didn't believe he was Messiah. And now they oppose Jesus, convinced that he is Messiah. And, and they do this by saying, if we leave him alone, everyone will believe. But Caiaphas, being the high priest, he has a word of prophecy from that office of high priest. And he starts out by telling his uh, fellow Sanhedrin members, you know nothing at all, kind of insulting them, nor do you consider what is expedient for us that one man should die for the whole nation. Caiaphas is thinking logically, but he is not thinking morally. Caiaphas is concerned that Rome will step in and remove their position of authority over the people. Rome had a say-so in who was high priest and who would assume that position. Caiaphas, as high priest... He's prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation, and not only their nation, but all the world. Jesus will die. He will gather the children of God to himself, and you and I are part of that gathering. Caiaphas is evidence on how power corrupts. And you've heard it said, absolute power 
absolutely corrupts. And we get to witness that in today's politics and so forth. Speaking of politics, our politicians have a twofold objective. Get elected and do whatever is necessary to remain elected. <laughs> John, the writer of this gospel, he will now give us commentary on the events there with Jesus. In verse uh, 53, we begin there. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from their country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? Do you think he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where Jesus was, he should report it that they might seize him. From this day on, the Jewish authorities of the Jews, the chief priests, etc., they plot how to put Jesus to death. Jesus responds by going out into the wilderness, and he goes to Ephraim. But Jesus doesn't go away from them out of fear. Because Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. You Jewish leaders will not determine when I die, when my life is given up. And he, Jesus has said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. And he lays it down when the time is right. Ephraim happened to be north of Jerusalem near Samaria. But Passover is near. Passover, perhaps, is the greatest Jewish holiday, bar none. Many Jews gather at Jerusalem to purify themselves for this Passover meal that they are about to partake of. And the people are looking for Jesus. They've heard about this teacher that uh, teaches with authority, and they want to hear him. And the big question in Israel right then, will Jesus come to the Passover feast? Chief priests and the Pharisees, they put out a word. Hey, if you see Jesus, tell us, for we want to arrest him. We want to seize him. <clears throat> now, for the Jews, the process of cleansing themselves or purifying themselves for the devout, it took as much as a week to go through the process of purification. Others who took the shorter route would simply shave their head and wash their clothes, and that was enough. But most of the Jews, even Jesus' disciples, do not think he will make an appearance there in Jerusalem. The chief priests, along with the Pharisees, they've set aside their differences with each other, and they found a common cause 
and that common cause is kill Jesus. Now Jesus, he has passed through the midst of this crowd that wanted to stone him, these zealots, and he's passed through their midst twice times. He just kind of went through them and went his way. Jesus is not ignorant of their intent. Jesus knows that death awaits him. But Jesus must go to the cross. He cannot be stoned by a violent, merciless crowd. But Jesus has a purpose for his death. And the time for Jesus to lay down his life, it's very near. For Jesus will be that sacrificial lamb. And it will happen on their Passover. On a certain day at a certain time. Jesus has chosen this Passover to lay down his life, to be that sacrifice for all of mankind. This is the time that it will happen. The hour that God has chosen for Jesus to lay down his life. And as we enter the Passion Week of Christ in, in John there, we see that Jesus will go through a mock trial. He will be scourged. And all of this is right on schedule with God's timing. For Jesus will be sacrificed, but he will do it when the time is right. And the place is right. Right on God the Father's schedule. Not too soon, not too late. And all the evil intents of the Jewish leaders and rulers happen to be in the hand of God. Consider that our salvation was secured exactly when God has chosen right down to the very hour. No happenstance. No letting circumstance dictate. No happenstance with the death of Jesus. No happenstance with the cross of Jesus. It was preordained. It was preplanned by God himself. And aren't we glad? Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.